Welcome to the king. The streets of Jerusalem were filled with acclamation. Welcome, welcome, welcome. With a blessing, they sang. Welcome to the king in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory on high. The expectation of the king and the arrival of the kingdom was building. In Israel, in the history of Judaism, that expectation that like 50 years before this day was really getting to a climax. It is uh, tragic that through all of the exile events of the nation of Israel, they didn't always have that messianic hope in the forefront of their mind. But 50 years prior to this day, the day of the king entering the city, that was at the forefront. They're expecting God to make a big change on planet Earth. Expectation was building that God's kingdom would appear any moment. What that meant for the Jew was that there'd be a change of the ages. So this present age, which is filled with all kinds of evil and corruption and injustice, and for their sake, they were occupied by the Roman Empire. Uh, Now Gentiles that they didn't want to mix with are now in their land, and they're subject to that foreign power. So this present age was something very real in the mind of the Jewish believer And the coming of God's kingdom would mean that God would deal with those foreigners, clean the land of all the Greeks and the Romans, and he would establish himself on the earth in the messianic age, the age to come. The Jew really looked for this pivotal time of change in human history. That's what this expectation was. We're expecting God to change the course of human history. For our favor. So there's a lot riding on Jesus' shoulders because people that are following him are believing that this kingdom of God, this rule of God that's going to set everything right is is going to happen. It's in in this moment, in an immediate moment, it's going to happen. And because that's happening, Jesus told a story. Luke 19, 11 to 27. While he had their attention, and because they were getting close to Jerusalem by this time, an expectation was building that God's kingdom would appear any moment, Jesus told this story. There there was once a man descended from a royal house who needed to make a long trip back to headquarters to get authorization for his rule and then return. But first he called ten servants together, gave each one of them a sum of money, and instructed them, operate with this until I return. But the citizens there hated him. So they sent a commission with a signed petition to oppose his rule. We don't want this man to rule us. When he came back bringing the authorization of his rule, he called those ten servants to whom he had given the money to find out how they had done. 
The first said, Master, I doubled your money. And he said, Good servant, great work. Because you've been trustworthy in this small job, I'm making you governor of ten towns. The second said, Master, I made a 50% profit on your money. And he said, I'm putting you in charge of five towns. The next servant said, Master, here's your money safe and sound. I've kept it hidden in a cellar. To tell you the truth, I was a little afraid. I know you have high standards and hate sloppiness. You don't suffer fools gladly. And he said, you're right about that. I don't suffer fools gladly. And you've acted the fool. Why didn't you at least invest the money in securities so that I would have gotten a little interest on it? Then he said to those standing there, take the money from him, give it to the servant who doubled my stake. They said, but but master, he already has double. And he said, that's what I mean. Risk your life and get more. More than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag, an empty bag. As for these enemies of mine who petitioned against my rule, clear them out of here. I don't want to see their faces around here again. As Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem and then ultimately up on the Temple Mount, the history of that is that God had not yet dwelt in this new temple that had been built. God had had exiled the nation of Israel out of the land, and slowly through the years they filtered back in with God helping them back to, to come back to the land. The temple was rebuilt. Herod spent 50 years refurbishing the temple. But those that knew the temple and had read the history, they still knew, but you know, there's something different about this temple than what we have enjoyed historically, and that is that God hasn't entered this temple. And so when Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem, that's the expectation. Here comes God. God the King. God, the descendant of David, the royal son, he is going to enter the temple. God's again going to dwell in the temple and everything's going to be right on the earth. And so Jesus tells this parable. And that parable is not just uh, for later, it's for then and later. And really what he's, he's saying, you know, because the king, because this is a huge event, Who's going to be able to stand in the presence of the king when he enters into his glory? And what this parable says for sure is not those who rebel against his rule. Did you notice in the story, there's this certain nobleman, and that nobleman is of the right lineage. Guess who that is? Jesus I'm of the lineage of David. For those of you that have the revelation, I am God's son. I am the one that the Old Testament prophets predicted would come. I am the Messiah. I am the anointed one. I've got the lineage. I'm fulfilling the prophecies. 
and I'm going to receive the authority, the authorization to rule from the Creator God. Remember what we, we read, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to? Jesus is foreshadowing that. And in spite of that, there are still subjects of his kingdom that hate his rule. Literally hate his rule, detest his rule, abhor his rule. Sign a petition that says, we don't want this man to be our king. That's the state of the nation of Israel by and large when Jesus is entering the city. We don't want this certain nobleman with this pedigree. This, we don't want him to be our king. I think in some ways their mind was, you know, we've, things are working out okay for us. We'll figure it out. We don't want to, we don't want to, the status quo is okay. Let's just not mess it up. We don't want this man to be our king. And Jesus, as he tells this story, makes it very clear that anyone who does not want him to be their king will be struck down. They will not stand before the king. It's not a pretty word. Slaughtered. But then there's others who will stand. They're servants who do the king's business with the king's currency before the kingdom appears. He called ten servants. He gave them coins. He said, use this. Do, do business with this until I come back. Those are ten servants who are supposed to do the king's business with the king's currency before the king kingdom appears. And in the story, the king, he expects, if I'm going to give you currency to use, I, I, I expect some sort of return. And we find out that 100% return is, I mean, that's excellent. Great job. Well done. 50% is okay. Zero? Mm-mm. That's trouble. Servants faithful. With little, just little, here's a little coinage to get you by until I return. Servants that are faithful with little are given greater opportunities of service. But servants fearful of the king are left with no reward. Be honest with you. I took the coins you gave me, I wrapped them up in a handkerchief because I was afraid of you. So you've got to ask, do, do they not know who this king is? You reap where you do not sow? Well, I mean, is, is he exacting? Is that, is that who Jesus has shown himself to be? Is that what the Old Testament predicts this king would be? Some things that we can learn, because it's as, it's as true then as it's true now. Severe judgment awaits those who hate the king and protest his rule. There is no way to soften that. If humanity in its rebellion against God the king 
maintains that rebellion, there's going to be severe punishment for that. I mean, I think that punishment starts now. I don't think life goes really well for people that rebel against the rule of the king. Sometimes it looks good, but you dig underneath the surface and things are not quite right. If we live in rebellion against our creator, life just doesn't really work so good. There will be correction and loss for servants of the king who fear him. And they refuse to risk any, any investment in, in the kingdom before the kingdom arise. I, I just, I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to hold on to what I got. I'm going to hold on to it tight. I'm going to stuck it under my mattress. And I, I think the parable is telling us there will be correction. And there will be a sense of loss for those servants that do that. But there is recognition. There is responsibility. There's reward that awaits the servants of the king who gain a return on kingdom investments. Now, a parable is a parable. Is a parable. It's a story. And parables are not easy to understand this is not like this isn't really an easy parable to understand but let me tell you some things that I think we can know and things that we can apply one I really believe we must live with the same expectation of the breakthrough of God's kingdom at any moment in the lives that we're living if we lose that expectation, we have lost it. And so there's some things that I believe. There may be some, maybe there's, these are kind of the coins that, that Jesus is giving to us as we, re, as we await his final return. I, I think he's given us a coin of faith. And we're to, we are to persevere with that faith. That faith is... Jesus is the king. He, he, he is it. There is not going to be another one show up. He is it. Jesus is the king. He's the king that was promised. He is the king that has come. He's the king that will return. He is the king. And as the king, his kingdom has arrived and it's in this process of arriving. We're not waiting for the kingdom to arrive. We are waiting for the fulfillment of the kingdom. But his rule has begun on the earth today. Yesterday. The day before. That kingdom has begun. And because it's begun, our king has started to set everything right on planet earth. I believe that by faith. I don't see it very often. I can look at my own life. My life is better than it was before I knew the king. So that's one thing I can point to. I can point to your life. Your life is better than what it was before you knew Jesus. So if it's true that our lives are better than what they were, before we knew Jesus, then there is something, at least something on the planet 
that is being set right because we're following Jesus. I can look at my family. My family was horribly dysfunctional. And my dad was the kingpin of dysfunction. And I've seen Jesus set things right in his life so that at 88, he's still, I, I, I got a bucket list. I, I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. I wasted a lot of time. I didn't tell my family I loved them enough. I want 10 more years. He's persevering with that. Because Jesus entered his life and began to set things right. He's not perfect, but things are better. I believe we must persevere with that truth. Jesus is our king. Jesus is the king of all humanity. Jesus' kingdom has arrived, is arriving. He is in the process of setting things right on the earth, and he will finalize it when he returns. And he's inviting you and I to be a part of that. That's the second coin. He's given us a prayer to pray again and again and again and again. Let your kingdom come. Jesus, influence us today with your rule. Let what you're going to do in the future break into the presence because you're influencing us. We want to be a people that are influenced by the rule of God today. We begin to show the world around us, this is what it looks like. When God is in the middle of people, those he created, those he loves, and he's directing them towards what's the very best in life. Let your, let your kingdom, let your rule influence us today. Another way to say let your kingdom come is establish your kingdom among us. As we gather like this in our gathering, Jesus, establish your rule here today. When I'm sitting in my study at home, Jesus, establish your kingdom in me today. Jesus, establish your kingdom in our household, with my family. Jesus, when I go out to work, establish your kingdom in this home that I'm servicing. Jesus, when I go to the classroom, establish your kingdom in this classroom. When I go down to the government, Jesus, establish your kingdom in the government of New Braunfels. I mean, everywhere we go. We can invite the kingdom to come. Oh, that you and I, like everyone, everybody on the planet that is following Jesus, if we just had a vision, this is the prayer we are to pray, and we're to pray it as often as it comes to our mind, everywhere we go. When we run into places that say, man, this is, a, this is an out-of-control place. My tendency is to say, well, okay, I'm out of here. Jesus wants me to stand my ground and say, Jesus, this is an out-of-control place, so establish your kingdom here. Not willing, if you're not willing to risk it, Jesus says, you're, you're going to end up with an empty bag. Finally, persevere in service. The other part of the prayer, let your will be done. 
Do, 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 I mean, does, does it on earth? Let your will be done on earth. We know it's being done in heaven, but on earth. So what we're saying is, do through us today on the earth what you want to do. So our assignment every day can be to get up and say, wow, it's a new day. Jesus, influence me with your rule today. What do you want to do through me today on the earth? Again, if everybody on the planet that's following Jesus would show up and persevere in their service, inviting Jesus to do through them what he wants, what do you think would happen? Again, the risk is, oh, you mean I don't get to do what I want to do today? Right. (laughs) You don't get to do what you want to do today. But I promise, if you do what I want you to do, it's really going to be rewarding. Can we risk turning in our to-do list to our king and saying, you know, I'm going to let it go. I want you to do what you want to do through me on the earth today. And the church, in some ways, is the worst culprit because we've got it all figured out. If we do X, Y, and Z, it's going to be a better place. And some of the ideas we come up with are great ideas, but they're not his. Will we let him do what he wants to do through our community? Will we let him do that? See, that, that's, if we persevere in faith, persevere in prayer, persevere in, in service, I think though that's what we, he wants us to invest in. And there will be a return on faith, prayer, and service so that when he does come back, we say, this is what I got. He'll say, excellent, well done. But are we willing Are we willing to risk our lives? This day in Jerusalem started with great joy. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the king, they sang. Hosanna, save us. God, save us. Hosanna, we praise you because you save us. Great joy. But it ended in tears. Because when Jesus came near and saw the city, the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it. If only you'd known on this day, even you, even you, Israel, who's had the longest history of knowing me, who's had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to recognize the anointed one, the king, the son of David. If only you'd known on this day what peace meant. Peace. Peace with God. Peace with each other. Peace on the earth. Even you. But now that peace is hidden from you. 
and you can't see it. And you can't see me for who I am, Jesus says. And therefore, the end of this week, your rebellion against the rule of God will result in the murder of the king. That's the extent of your rebellion. You didn't know the moment when God was visiting you. My friends, God continues to visit us. We want to recognize those moments when he's visiting us. We want to recognize that those are moments where he's sustaining us until he finally returns. And we want to find out what he means by peace. We want to be a people, a community of peace, at peace with him at peace with each other, at peace with our neighbors. May we recognize God visiting us. Let's stand together. I just want to invite you just to take a moment to welcome the king, just in your own way, with your own voice, with your own heart, with your own head. Just welcome the king. You, that can be out loud. That can just be in quiet. Just however you want to do that. Let's just take a moment for each of us to acknowledge Jesus as our king. I want to invite you. I, I think that Jesus, just like the parable says, he gave minas, coins, to those servants. I, I just think he wants to give. So if you want to, join me just holding your hands out to receive. Jesus, I ask you to give to each of us a coin of faith. a coin of prayer, and a coin of service. And Jesus, as you place faith and prayer and service into our hands, <laughs> let us hear you say, get along with these until I return. And Jesus, having read this story, we know that you want us to take faith and prayer and service and you want us to invest faith and prayer and service into living life today. Holy Spirit, 
Give us the courage to risk our life and get more than we ever dreamed of. Holy Spirit, empower us to be a community that risks our faith in believing there is a king, in believing that that king has arrived with his kingdom and that kingdom is setting things right. Let us risk believing. Let us risk prayer, praying wherever we go. Let your kingdom come. Establish your kingdom now on the earth. And maybe the greatest risk is, is Jesus do through us whatever you want to do for your kingdom's sake. So we hold these coins of faith and prayer and service. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make us wise investors as we spend those today and tomorrow and the next day until the king returns in fullness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for inviting us to seek first your kingdom. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So thank you, everyone. Uh, Enjoy saying farewell to one another, and we'll get back together at the Bo Cornies in a bit.